We are going to be at Matthew chapter number five uh, this morning. And uh, I tell you, I, I heard an interesting story about a young man that went off to college. And uh, as he was in college, um, he graduated with uh, uh, a large uh, um, honors. And uh, he was from a kind of a backwoodsy type area. And uh, so he was able to kind of really graduate and make something out of himself. And he ended up going down to South America and he was working at an oil refinery there as a businessman. And uh, while he was down there, he sent his parents back a pet bird. And this was an, a real exotic type of animal. And so he sends the, the bird back to him and uh, a few weeks later, he calls up his parents and he says, hey, mom, dad, how you doing? Oh, we're doing great. He said, did you get that wonderful bird that I sent you? They said, oh, yes, we did. He was absolutely delicious. <laughs> he said, mom, dad, you guys ate the bird I sent to you? He said, well, yes, we, that's what we thought that you sent him for, to, for us to eat. He says, oh. Mom, Dad, I spent thousands of dollars on that bird. I mean, that was a one-of-a-kind exotic uh, bird. He was able to speak two languages. His parents said, well, why didn't he say something? <laughs> How important it is for us to know what is said and why it is said. And uh, we've been looking at the words of Jesus. And when Jesus says to do certain things... And this morning, we're going to be looking at uh, when Jesus says to be salt and light. You know, it's interesting to note that most of the things that Jesus said to do are traced back to the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, this here, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, is basically Jesus' whole sermon about life. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about everything that he has set for us as believers to follow through with. And, you know, we have to remember that this wasn't just the ramblings of some guy. This is, these are the actual words of Christ. And they have authority, they have weight, they have power to speak into our lives and to show us what we need to be doing as a follower of Christ. You know, it was at this sermon that the crowds left astonished at the teachings of Christ. Um, in Matthew chapter 7, the words are recorded for us, and it says that he taught them as having as one that had authority and not as the scribes. And so it is in this Sermon on the Mount that Christ gives us some things for us to consider on how we are to live our Christian life. And so as we continue our series here, we're going to be we're going to spend a majority of our time here in the Sermon on the Mount because there's so many things. And I, I must let you know that, you know, reading through these, if we're not careful, we can just somewhat casually read through them and, and say, oh, okay, yeah, I remember when Jesus said that, or yes, I remember what the Lord was talking about there. But we must remember that these things are supposed to be actually applied to our lives. And we are supposed to take heed to what Christ is saying because he wants us to live a life to the fullest. He, he wants us to live abundant life uh, in him. He wants us to live kingdom type of living. 
And so there's a lot of things in the Sermon on the Mount that when we are going to talk about them, I hope that it doesn't produce a spirit of like, I can't believe that you know Mike is bringing that up or Mike is saying that. I'm not saying those things because we are trying to bring hurt in our lives, but we are saying these things because Jesus said them. And we are teaching on these things because Jesus taught on them. And Jesus has commanded for us to live uh, this certain type of way. So this morning, we're going to look at, as what Christ says, to be salt and light. Let's take a look here at these verses, and uh, then we'll have a word of prayer. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 14. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste... How shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And in verse 15, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Lord, we're coming here and we're going to spend some time in your word and we're going to look into it because we are searching for truth. We're searching for answers. We're searching for things that we can actually follow. And God, in the world that we live in, there are so many voices, so many people uh, saying, go this way, do this way, do this particular thing. But God, help us to silence all of those things and just to be a follower of your word. Help us to look into your perfect law of liberty and to be changed and transformed through it. I do pray that as we here that are followers of Christ, we will take your word seriously that we will understand what it means to be salt and what it means to be light and help us to apply this truth to our lives. Um, help us to apply this, tr this truth uh, to our community in which uh, we live and even in our church community, our, our, our church family here, help us to be salt and light. Uh, we are just so grateful for um, your son Jesus and and. Thank you for giving him so freely for us so we might have a relationship with you. And uh, I do pray that you just be with us today and uh, speak to us. And we ask all this in your name. Amen. So before we jump in here to being about salt and light, um, I think we should understand a few of these verses and establish them uh, within their context of what Christ is talking about. And, you know, I have read these verses several times in my own Christian life, and I'm sure many of you have done the same. Either chances are there's been a chance that you have memorized them. Uh, maybe you have referenced them. Um, you know, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Uh, I mean, we, we recall a lot of these things in our lives. Um, so we need to kind of grasp the full weight of what Christ was saying because, you know, Jesus, he opens his mouth and he begins to teach and he says, you are salt and you are light. This wasn't just a casual saying. This was something that the Lord wanted us to grasp and understand so we could apply it uh, to our lives. So with these verses, I'd like to establish what it means to be salt and what it means to be light and how are salt 
and how we are that salt and how we are that light. So let's examine these verses a little more closely and pull out a few truths from them here. Uh, let's take a look here. Uh, notice here in these verses, the Lord gives us a couple questions and situations to think about. Notice what he says here. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but here's the situation. If salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? Um, has anybody ever had salt and you put it on your baked potato or you put it on that delicious asparagus? How many of you like asparagus? Okay, one of you. All right. Um, oh, two. Okay. <laughs> Three. So, you know, you put that salt on there and it didn't bring out any more flavor, it didn't bring out any, has that it happened to anybody ever before? One, okay, one of you, all right. Well, Jesus here is giving us a situation and he's saying if you're salt and you've lost your saltiness, can that saltiness be restored? Um, can the preservative of that salt be restored to what it should be able to do. And then he gives another situation here. He says, you are the light of the world. And he says, that city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden. And then he talks more about the light and he says, you don't light a candle and put a bucket over it. Because what happens when you put the bucket over the candle? It goes out, right? It needs oxygen in order to survive. And he says, but you put it on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. So evidently from these statements, the Lord here is telling us that salt has a use and light has a use. They are, they're there for a purpose. And he says, you are salt and you are light. And if they lose their purpose, then the salt is no longer good for anything. What does the Lord say that it's good for now? Nothing, except to be thrown out and trampled under the foot of men. He says that's its use now. It, there, is, there is no good for it whatsoever. And he tells us here, if the light is not being properly used, I mean, if we're just lighting candlesticks, I mean, if the light were to go out right now, we'd all go, <gasps> And then sure enough, somebody's going to pull out their cell phone. They're going to turn on their flashlight. You know, we're going to do all kinds of different things. And somebody's going to get up and go down to the basement and try flipping breakers. Okay. But if we had candlesticks in here and the light goes out and we all decide we're going to light our candlesticks, but then we're going to throw buckets over them. The Lord says, you're not using it properly. So there is a thing here about salt and light and the usefulness of them. And if we're not using them properly, the Lord says they're not, we're not doing what they're, we're not using them for what they're intended to use for. And he says that by not using them properly, it does us no good. So I would say many times in my life, I have found that I misuse salt and light in my own life. I misuse the teachings of Christ. I misuse the, the commandments of the Lord. I misuse uh, his, his love in my life. I misuse those things, and I don't properly apply them to my life. And so, therefore, I am misusing salt, and I am misusing light. You know, I desire for my life in Christ not to be hidden or misused. I want my life to have weight. I want my life to have worth.
I want it to be used of Christ. I want it to be a light and I want it to be salt. Let's look at another few things here about this. Number one, in order for us to understand it being salt and light, we must understand what salt and light are. So what is the meaning of salt and light? Well, notice here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 and 14, he says, you are the salt of the earth. And then he says, you are the light of the world. So obviously, Christ is speaking here to his followers about a couple things. Salt and light. What are those? Christ was not talking about two different things. He is trying to get us across to understanding one important thing. But he's using two examples to explain that one thing. Salt and light is truth. Salt has a usefulness for being a preservative. Uh, there are still many people that when they butcher a hog or they butcher a cow or whatever, they have salt as a preservative to preserve that meat. And then he talks about light. Light is always used in frequency with truth in God's word. I can think of a few verses, maybe you're already thinking of a few of them as well. Uh, like, uh, for example, thy word is what? Truth. My word is light, a lamp unto my feet, okay? So all of those things come into connection there. So Jesus is trying to get our attention. Listen very carefully what Christ is saying. Take heed what Jesus is saying to us. Let's put these two sayings into this one word of truth. You are a bearer of truth. I am a bearer of truth. Your life affects those whom it encounters with. Your saltiness of your life, the truthfulness of your life, has an effect upon those who we encounter. Your life, my life, is a bearer of truth. It's a bearer of light. We are image bearers of Christ. And wherever we go, whatever, whoever we encounter with, we are encountering people and that light is to be affecting people. <coughs> So if my life has lost its saltiness or my life has lost its truthfulness, then what is it? It's good for nothing. If my life has lost its usefulness as being a, a light and I'm extinguishing that light by putting it under a bucket, it does nobody any good. So the Lord is trying, us to, trying to get us to understand that salt and light is truth. Now put this word within the situations the Lord gives us. If truth has lost its effectiveness, what good is it? Nothing. It's thrown out and trampled. If you hide truth, how does that help anybody? It doesn't. It will not give out light and it will not give glory to the Father Salt was used as a preservative against corruption. What is the preservative that we have against corruption in our own life? Truth. This here, the words of Christ, the words of God are truth, and they serve as a preservative in the world in which we live. We live in a very corrupt world. If you don't believe me, just turn on the news. And in later news, so-and-so got shot today, and so-and-so, you know. I mean, it's, it's all over. 
So we have truth to use as a preservative against corruption, not only in the community in which we live, but a preservative in our own life. And so we have to use salt in our life to serve as a preservative. We have to use light as a truth to be a witness for others. Jesus gives us this other example of light, but he's still talking about truth here. He emphatically states, not suggest you are the light of the world. As a follower of Christ, I am to be light. I am to be a light bearer of truth. My life should reflect and embody and point to truth. So let's put ourselves in a situation here. Jesus says, you are the light of the world, but I allow darkness or I allow untruthfulness to be a part of my life. Am I allowing light to be truth in my life? No. The Lord says, you are salt and you are light. Use it and use it wisely wherever you live. So the meaning of salt and light, the purpose of light is to reveal darkness. Truth always reveals darkness. You can always tell when there is something that is a work of darkness, something that is not of truth, because it is always being done in secret. And it's always being done in the dark. And the Lord says, you're not supposed to be a part of that. You're supposed to be truth. You're supposed to be light. Can I honestly, me, can I honestly say before God right now that I am doing what he says for me to do in being salt and light? Now, before we let our minds race ahead of us, let's dig a little bit more into these scriptures here because it's going to give us some more insight into what the statement, what Jesus says of being salt and being light really means. So let's look here, the second thing how we use salt and light. So what is salt and light? It is truth, but how do we use that? You know, we may know what the truth of God's word is. We know that it's a preservative. We know that it's light, but how do we use it? Have you ever had anybody, uh, well, maybe this one. How many of you, you had a, it might've been a toy, uh, maybe your child had, or it might have been a flashlight or a remote, and it had the little tiny screws in the back, and you were so anxious to get those screws open to change the batteries or put batteries in, that you were so lazy, you didn't go get a screwdriver, but you went to the kitchen drawer and you pulled out a what? A knife. And you're like, all right, that's a really tiny screw. I'll get the really pointy steak knife. And I could probably jam it in there and get the, uh, the screw out, right? What are you doing? You're misusing the tool for what it's intended to do. I mean, you wouldn't take a screwdriver and try to cut a steak with it, would you? <laughs> that would be foolish. So why is it any, <laughs> any more foolish for us to get a steak knife and try to use it as a screwdriver. It works, right? There's an important thing to learn here about using the tools that Christ gives us for its intended purpose. I remember I had a set of uh, hammers and they were meant particularly for working on 
car bodies, so like uh, sheet metal work and stuff like that. And these hammers have different uh, shapes to them. And then you have what's called a dolly, not a little girl dolly, but a piece of metal, a big chunk of iron. And they're shaped differently, and you would put that dolly under certain parts of the car, and some of them were shaped round, some of them were flat, and you would use that to pound out and straighten certain parts of a vehicle. Well, I had these set of hammers, and I paid quite a bit of money for them, I had the, had the dollies, and I was using them for a project that I was working on. Well, my brother, who was living still at home at the time, he decided he needed a hammer. Well, guess what kind of hammer he chose to use? One of my car dolly hammers. Now, that wasn't the intended purpose because he ended up beating up the, the end of it. Now, he thought, hey, I could use this for, the, for this, but that wasn't the intended purpose of it. So it's important to understand that when Christ says that you are salt and you are light, that we must understand how we use salt and how we use light. Remember, we are talking about truth. Jesus says we are salt and we are light. But how are we to use that? The scriptures here gives us some insight. Let's, look, let's first look at the salt. What was salt used for? A preservative. It was used to preserve. It was used to keep out corruption. And it acts as a preservative against that corruption. I think this can have two implications, one for the individual and one for collectively here, all of us together. Individually, am I being a preservative of truth against corruption in the community of which God has placed me? Now, before you allow your mind to get ahead of you, okay, that does not mean if I'm going to preserve be a preservative of truth against corruption, that does not mean that I start doing crazy stuff, carrying signs, picketing, all that. No, we're not talking about that, okay? We're talking about standing up for truth wherever God has placed you. So for example, you're in the workplace and you know that something shady or underhandedly is going on in the place which God has placed you there. Do you go along with it? Or do you stand up for it? If we go along with everything else, we're not being a preservative. What we are, we're being cast out. We have lost its tastefulness and the saltiness is gone. And it's cast out and it's trodden under the foot of men. If people know that you're a Christ follower and we are not preserving truth or standing up for truth, Jesus says that it's lost its usefulness where we are. Now, collectively here, as a, as a group of Christ followers, are we, collectively, have we decided that we're going to take a stand for truth? Are we going to preserve truth? You say, well, yeah, Mike, absolutely. I mean, we, we are against this, and we, do, we are against this, and we're against that, and we're against this, and we're against that. Okay, I, I understand what you're saying. But if there were shady or unhanded things going on in our congregation, are we going to take a stand for that? Or would it be, you know, he's a good old boy and we like him and, you know, everything's great. Those are hard things to deal with. 
because we're dealing with people. We're dealing with people whom we love. And so we have to take a stand for truth, a preservative against that. So it's important that we understand the, the usefulness of what we're doing with that. Then he talks about light. Notice this. He says, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Now, over here there is a, hopefully I'm not messing up anybody's decorations. Um, the Lord says, if you light a lamp, okay, you don't light it and then put a bucket over it. But he says, notice what, how to use it. He says, you put it on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. Now, how many of you ever done this as a, as a way? If, you, if, I were to light, if we were to turn out all the lights in here and I were to light this, okay, you would see it here. Now, if I were to go just over in that corner, would you be sitting in darkness over there? Yes. Because I am, I am only putting the use of that light in a certain area. But Jesus says here, he says, you are to put it on a stand. In other versions, it reads that we are to put it on a candlestick. And the idea is there needs to be a central location where that light can be elevated. And as it's elevated, the light is able to shine and give more light to those around. So put this into perspective here. Jesus says, you are salt and you are light. So he says, if we are to be lighting that candlestick, we don't put a bucket over it, but we are to be elevating that light and allowing that light to shine wherever it is. So practical application here. When I talk about light in my own life, have I chosen to elevate light, elevate truth in my life? If I'm not elevating the truthfulness, the truth of God's word personally in my own life, then what I'm doing is I'm not allowing the full force of that light to shine as it should. And I think we do this every single day. I do this in my own life. I may encounter certain things that Jesus says to do, and I brush them aside and say, I understand that's important, but not right now. And what I'm doing is I'm extinguishing that light, and I'm not choosing to elevate that light to its usefulness. So it's important to understand how we use salt and light. The Lord here tells us that light needs to be elevated. It needs to allow to be shown so it gives light to all. Again, we have to look at this as individually and collectively. Do we elevate the truth of God's word collectively as a church in the community which God has placed us in? Another example of this, people know that you may attend Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship. You're a follower of Christ. We were just talking about this in Sunday school, about how those that were living in Corinth were suing each other. And the, 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 the testimony of that church was, I mean, would you want to go to a church that 
all the Christians were divided against each other and they were suing each other? Probably not, okay? But we together collectively need to be elevating truth in our lives and elevating truth collectively so it gives light to the community which God has placed us in. So here we go. Now I'm sure some of the things here when we talk about truth and we talk about the, the light, the salt and light, there is a key in this verse that's going to help us understand what it means to shed some light basically on this passage about being salt and light, okay? Notice what it says here. He says, it's taste, saltiness, don't put it in a basket of stand. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see. Now notice this, these two words, good works. And give glory to your Father who's in heaven. If we are to be salt and we are to be light, if we are to be preserving truth and elevating truth, what does that have to do with good works? Let's take a look here. Thirdly our guide to be salt and light. When I say the words good works, what automatically comes to your mind, anybody? What is it? The Ten Commandments, okay. Go to church. Missions. Sharing God's with others. Visiting shut-ins, okay. What is the world, what does the world project for us as being good works? If you were to ask somebody who wasn't a Christian, a follower of Christ and say, can you give me some good works of a Christian? What would they say? Helping what? Helping people, okay. What? Going door to door, okay. How about um, giving money? Okay, very good. Anything else? The world has an idea of what good works are, okay? Now, our guide to being salt and light, Jesus tells us what good works we should actually be doing. I think so many times we get into this thinking that good works are, I don't smoke, I don't chew, and I don't go with the girls that do, okay? <laughs> we have put, and by the way, you know, if I'm not advocating any of that, I'm just saying, okay, if, if we are followers of Christ, there needs to be good works in our lives. But it's not necessarily good works of morality because that's the world, that's what the world looks at. And they lump some Christianity into good morals. And they say, well, if this person here uh, wears a suit and a tie, which if you wear a suit and tie, I'm not saying that, but they say they must be a Christian because they wear a suit and tie. Well, the Lehman brothers also wear suits and ties, and everybody knows about them, okay? Um, I'm just saying that 
the world has a standard of their morality of what good works are, okay? But last time I checked, we don't use the world as a standard of our morality. We use truth. We use salt and we use light because that has its effectiveness in which God has planted us and used us. So let's look here at our guide, what Jesus says to be salt and light. Let's look here at our context because prior to the Lord talking about being salt and light, in chapter 5, the Lord gives to us what we know as the Beatitudes, okay? And I think these are very good things to apply in this situation here of good works. Now, we don't have enough time to go through each one of them, but I would hope that you would spend some time maybe this week and read through them and do some soul searching and ask the Lord, Lord, is this something that I am preserving? Is this something that I'm allowing to shine in my own individual life? So let's take a look at a few they are, right? Here they are. If I'm going to be salt and light, number one, I need to depend on God. Jesus says in uh, uh, Matthew chapter five, verse number three, blessed are the, those that are poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. Those that depend upon the Lord for their every need. That is a good work. And if we are going to be salt and light, guess what the world sees? They don't see you depending upon man. They don't see you depending upon the world. They see you depending upon God and that has saltiness and that has light that is able for them to look at and say, that is not normal. And what, in turn, what do they do? They glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Notice another one, dependence upon God. But secondly, walk in humility. But I need a big slice of humility in my life. I just need a giant humility pie. That's not normal in today's society. We don't walk in humility. What do we do? We walk in pride. And that is what basically we show to the world as we say, look what I've done, look what I've accomplished. And Jesus says we need to walk in humility. He says in verse number five, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth to walk in humility. Let's look at another one. To hunger and thirst after righteousness. This is a good work. This is salt and this is light to be hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. Here's another one, number four, to give mercy. Boy, I am so guilty of this, of not giving mercy to others. We as believers in Christ, we should be following the pattern that has been set by our Lord of giving mercy to others. You say, well, they don't deserve it. Neither did you. We have to give mercy. This is salt and this is light. Jesus says here, verse number seven, he says, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. You know, and I've come to find out that 
when I choose to give forgiveness and I choose to give mercy and I choose to give things to others that, that I may say they don't deserve it, you know what God in turns does? In the times that I need mercy, in the times that I need forgiveness, he gives it to me. So we need to give mercy. This is our guide to being salt and light. Here's another one, to exercise purity in my heart. David says, oh Lord, he says when he was praying to the Lord after he had committed that sin with Bathsheba and he realized what he had done and he realized that he was at fault and there was a true confession of his sin from his heart. He said, Lord, purge me, wash me thoroughly inside. I mean, go inside and take, in, take inspection and take account. I mean, see if there's any wicked way in me. I mean, there was a thorough cleansing in his heart that he was seeking after. And so if I'm going to be salt and light, I need to ex be exercising purity in my heart. I mean, Jesus says out of the heart proceeds murders, adultery, fornication, lust. I mean, I am capable of any one of those things and so are you. And so we need to be exercising purity in our own hearts. And so if I'm going to be a preservative of truth, if I'm not exercising purity in my heart, guess what? My life has lost its saltiness. My life has been extinguished. It's not being any good for what it should be. So there needs to be exercising purity in our heart. Here's another one. Strive for peace in my relationships. That's a big one. You know what we want to do? He did what to you? <gasps> oh, you just wait. It's on. We want to get even. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. I'll show him. That's not peace. That's war. So we need to be exercising, striving for peace in our relationships. The Lord said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Notice here, lastly, to rejoice in times of false accusations and persecution. Have you ever been falsely accused? It hurts, doesn't it? Have you ever been persecuted for your faith in Christ? It's hard. But Jesus says we need to be rejoicing during those times. And with that, with that rejoicing, we are salt and we are light. If during times of false accusations, I can recall, uh, remember uh, in the Old Testament, Joseph was falsely accused. He was there in uh, Potiphar's house and the mistress came to him, Joseph. Oh, Joseph. She had on her long, fake eyelashes. <laughs> Joseph's like, I'm out of here. <laughs> you won't believe what Joseph did to me. He's falsely accused, thrown into prison. But Joseph wasn't in there in prison complaining bickering, murmuring. 
This is salt, this is light. These are our, this is our guide to being salt and light, to rejoice in times of false accusations and persecution. So how about you, how about me? Am I salt, am I light? Am I actually living life with saltiness? Am I actually allowing the truthfulness of God's word to be elevated in my life and not extinguishing it with a bucket? If not, I'm, I have not learned how to use salt and light. I have, I have not learned about the guide of which God has given, me, given us to, to being salt and light. And it's so important that we are salt and light. Why? Because in turn, in the, in the verse there, here's what happens. Jesus says this. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I want God to receive all the glory. I want him to be exalted. I want him to be the one that glory is given to. And when, we, when God receives the glory, great things happen because he is glorified. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to look into your word. Thank you for allowing us to look at this saying about being salt and being light. God, I know in my own heart that I don't allow the truth of your word to have saltiness. I know that I, that I misuse that truth and I, I brush it aside as not being important. God, I desire to be salt and light. I, I desire to follow your, your word, your guide. And God, those things, are, those things are difficult, but they are possible, not through man self, but through the en enablement of your spirit, through the help of your spirit, we can be the right kind of salt. We can be the right kind of light. Thank you so much for just your love that you've shown to us and thank you for allowing this time that we get together around your word. And we ask all of this in Christ's name, amen.